You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers drop another one, their fifth straight to the Northwestern Wildcats, 73-66. to The Hoosiers are now 12-7, 3-5 in the conference, and searching for answers, desperate for a victory. This is a game in which Indiana fell, that fell behind by 15 points in the second half after another really, really tough start to the second half. But they did battle back, and they did show some fight and showed some energy and some enthusiasm and some toughness there late to battle back, which almost makes the result and the way that they played before that even worse because you see that it's there, and you just don't know why it took getting down 15 points in a road game that you desperately needed to get that kind of effort. Because if you had played that way for the entire game, you never would have been down in the first place. And I have a feeling that frustration will be the through line for this show as we go through breaking it down tonight. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. We will break down this Indiana loss for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. But let's start this show how we start every show, and that is with our Who's Your Proud banner moment. And... You know, the the way that it looks right now, <laughs> it's quite hard to envision any banners being hung this season for Indiana. Uh, so we certainly hope that the team can get things turned around and there's still plenty of season to go. But, you know, games like this, you've lost five in a row, you start looking a little bit more to the future. And I think one good sign for the future tonight for Indiana was, you know, Rob Finnessy again, you know, looking a little bit more like himself. And once again, being a guy that came through in the clutch, Rob scored seven of Indiana's final 10 points, and you can certainly point to some offensive neglect by not getting more shots for Juwan and Romeo down the stretch, so that is part of this. But Rob showed some different ways to score. He had a nice step back three, had a great drive into the lane where he got fouled. There probably should have been a couple others called. You know, The transition play that he had should have had a foul called there, so he did a nice job of creating contact. And then the dunk that he had down the lane, a great save by Romeo Langford and a great find. And Rob just elevates and, and slams it. I think kind of surprised everybody. Not quite sure that he had that level of athleticism, but it was nice to see. And, and you know, one of the big keys for this team early in the season, one of the reasons why they won so many close games was because Rob, time after time, would come through with big plays. And he certainly did his part down the stretch tonight. He is a guy who has proven himself to not be afraid to take the big shot, uh, to be a guy who can step up. And that really helps, you know, having a third guy out there who's willing to do that with Romeo and Juwan when the defense gets tight. Unfortunately, tonight, it was too little, too late. It wasn't enough, um, but it was a good positive sign to see from Rob down the stretch. All right, tonight's Hoosier Proud banner moment brought to you, as always, by our friends at Hoosier Proud and Home Field. At homefieldapparel.com, you will find the comfiest and most unique licensed IU apparel that is available anywhere. 
Now, HoosierProud.com, you'll find great state of Indiana-themed apparel while sending 10% of your purchase to causes around Indiana like the Hoosier Veterans Assistance Foundation. Both brands were started by an IU grad, and all Hoosier Proud and home field apparel is designed and printed out of Indianapolis. And with Big Ten basketball in full swing, be sure to check out Homefield's IU Basketball Champions t-shirt. Reflect on better times. It features IU's five championship years, a feat that no other Big Ten school has accomplished. And, of course, the tri-blend hoodie with the old Bison logo. It's as comfortable as a sweatshirt can be. The logo is really cool. You definitely can't go wrong with that one. Can a brother get some coupons? And, of course, you can. Don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your order on either site. That is promo code ASSEMBLY at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. All righty, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And let's start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on another tough Indiana loss. Uh, it just, I mean, the stretch from the end of the first half where IU is outscored 15-4, to four, I think, to close out uh, the half. And then, uh, I believe, basically over a 15-minute stretch of the game, IU got outscored 42-20. to 20. Um, and, and during that time, Northwestern had 42 points in 24 possessions, which is 1.75 points per possession, which is God awful. Um, and, and again, it was that late, you know, late first half swoon that really, you know, lost control of the game. And then they never took it back really at the, at the beginning of the second. And I think that, as you said, you know, the play down the stretch was, was good. They extended defensively. They started doing some different things on offense and got some better looks, but it's like, you got to show that sense of urgency before you've dug yourself a 15 point hole against a team that came into the game with very little confidence based on how they had played in the big 10. You know, and, and you get a shot in the arm from a guy who scored six points all year that comes in and is on fire. And IU continuously loses track of them defensively and, and really swung the momentum to them and a guy who was probably barely on the scouting report. But again, it, it just felt like there for a while, Juwan tried to will them back in it, but somebody had to do that before it got to be, you know, a 15 point game, whether that's players, coaches, everybody, um, you know, the adjustments that were made on offense needed to be made at halftime and not 10 minutes into the second half when you couldn't score um, because the offense was, was really, really bad. The, you know, for a longer stretch than even that seven minutes to close um, closed the first half, but IU had you know four points over probably the last, uh, probably close to ten minutes um, of the first half. And so, while you you can point to the fact that adjustments were made and they seemed to have a positive impact, it was it was really too little, too late. And even defensively, IU only gave up. Now, part of this is just because Northwestern, you know, IU got a lot of fouls and they made free throws. I mean, Northwestern made two field goals the last twelve minutes and ten seconds of the game, and you lost by seven. Um, you know, so there's positive things that you did in the game, but you played so poorly during the one stretch, which seems to be, you know, a trend with this team that they just have a stretch where things really start to snowball. And there was a point in the first half when it seemed like that was going to happen and they kind of got out of it. And then, um, but it did happen again, end of the first half and really carried over into the second. And at that point, you know, the game was, uh, all but lost because you just didn't leave yourself enough time to, uh, to come back. So. You know, again, really disappointing the what what felt like that, you know, lack of urgency. And then you saw guys make plays in the second half. And you actually saw people smile for once uh, while playing basketball. So it was, it, you know, I feel like they're finding new ways to to lose some of these games during this losing streak. And 
um, you know, new guys to be out and different things like that. So it's just, uh, you know, not a lot of explanation other than, you know, the adjustments need to be made earlier. And, um, you know, maybe if that happens again, as you said, you play with that urgency the rest of the game, it doesn't end up as a, as a loss the way that it did, but that doesn't, you know, doesn't erase the fact that you didn't play well enough over the majority of the game to, uh, to really get it done. Yep. Now let's go over to Ryan Phillips for his rant. Ryan, what do you have for us tonight? So tonight I wrote on Twitter uh, at the under 12 timeout. I said, Indiana is down 15 at Northwestern with 11.45 to go. Remember this moment this season. I truly thought it was a big moment in the season. It's This is where this roster of guys needs to figure out what it wants to be. Uh, do they want to rise to the challenge fa- challenges facing him or wilt? Who are they? And and really, who are these guys? Like, what I mean, is it just Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan and nobody else? Or are there guys who can rise to the occasion? Now, over the last 10 minutes, I thought they played, you know, kind of right after that, actually, that under 12 timeout. I don't know what Archie did, but they played. He read him your tweet. Maybe, but they played a lot better. Let's be real. They did. They went on a 5 0 run there to cut it to 10. And then I, I also wrote Indiana's down 10 with 842 to go. What does this team want to be? Prove it in the next nine minutes. That's my message. If I'm the coach, just like you, this is on you guys do, you know, we've get, you may not love our offense, but if you execute it, any offense that you execute will work. If you execute it, if you make some shots, if you do this, they can win this game. And they got close, and then there were, as always, it seems in this losing streak, when they do get it close, there are some boneheaded plays, and guys do dumb things. I mean, Justin Smith got a lob up at the rim. Indiana was, I think it was the three-point game. They got a lot, perfect inbound play to Justin Smith, and all he has to do is catch it with two hands. He can even drop it in. He doesn't even have to dunk it. He tries to go fancy, go with a one-handed dunk, bricks it. Northwestern down the other end scores. Next time down, Justin Smith takes a three really quickly. Uh, not his shot. I'm sorry. It's just not right now. Uh, I think eventually it can be, but right now, not his shot. He was really off all night. And that, and then Northwestern went back down, got fouled, and hit two free throws. That's a 4-0 swing the other way when you have a chance to cut into this lead and you've got all the momentum and you're just handing it to the other team. And after that, they really, I mean, they got, you know, within six, I think, another time, maybe within five. But you're the game's there for the taking with a few minutes left. And that's not the time to show off. That's the time put the hammer down and it, it, I'm not blaming Justin Smith because look, there was a lot of game in there. As Andy said, where they just weren't good. They just weren't good and they were awful and they look shell shocked. I will say in that late run, it looked like a completely different team than the first 30 minutes of the game. They were emotional. They were involved. They were excited. They were having fun. And the rest of the game, it looked like they were sleepwalking even early on where they got the lead. Uh, so what I would say about this team is it's like these guys need to just get together. And I, you know, I hate I hate the idea of like a players only meeting or whatever, but just the, the team leaders need to get them together and just be like, guys, what is this team? I mean, do we want to just be a team that just bounces out of the Big Ten and, you know, our only shot at the tournament is a Big Ten tournament run? Like, what do you guys want to be? And, and you know, what do you want to be remembered as? Do you guys all want to be here next year? Because I guarantee that if you play like garbage the rest of the season, you know, there's going to be some transfers. There's going to be some changes. It's it's really about what these guys want this year to be. And if they're just going to sleepwalk through it and coast through it and go through the motions, then why are you here? You know, I mean, why are you putting up with practice every day? Why are you putting up with early morning workouts and study hall hours and all that? if you're just going to sleepwalk through the game and, and, and just going to go through the motions. And 
Uh, I will also say one more thing that I'm sure we'll get into, but one more thing I want to talk about is if you're on the bench on this team and you're not playing, get your butt in the gym when you get back tonight and start shooting some threes because somebody on this team needs to be able to knock down threes consistently. And if you do that, you will have a roster spot. I don't care if you're a walk-on. Get in that gym and start practicing threes. Put up a 1,000 tonight and get a coach in there to help you and get a manager. Grab a manager and have them rebound for you and do whatever you can because you'll get in the game. You can start knocking down threes. And Armand Franklin, who's coming in next year, get in the gym, son. You want to play as a freshman? You want to play a lot as a freshman? Start knocking down threes. Work on it. Um, that's, I mean, because right now you look at this number, and I know we'll get into numbers later, but four of 21 from three for Indiana. There were four of 20 against Purdue. That's, this is four of 20 was 19%. Northwestern, 10 of 24. That's what, an 18 point swing right there? Indiana lost by seven. There you go. I mean, that's the difference in the game right there. There are differences in effort and all that other stuff, but strictly by the numbers, they got their butts kicked from the three point line. And again, that, you know, that's happened several times this year. Again, that's the reason for the that, that's an easy reason to point to for the loss. Yeah, you know, and this was just one of those games in the second half, you know, because Indiana again, I mean, they did kind of scramble enough to put themselves, you know, in a position to to have a chance down the stretch. But man, every time there was a big possession, you know, to cut it to three or get it to one possession, you'd have a play like Justin Smith missing that dunk, which you can't do. Like you've got to find a way to make that, or there would just be poor execution and Indiana wouldn't get a good shot or, you know, it wouldn't go through Romeo or Jawan. And that dunk reminded me of like a running back having just the red sea part as he's running up the middle and then just fumbling like it with nobody around. I mean, yeah. it was just, it's so easy right there for a guy like Justin, just get up, catch the ball and don't even, you don't even have to dunk it. Just, I realized what he was trying to do. He was trying to blow the roof off the place because there's probably more IU fans than, North, than Northwestern fans in that building. It, I get what he was trying to do. But, man, that's not the time to do it. Do that in the first half. It's when just it's a huge swing. Because the energy that you would get from that, too. But that is not that was not the problem tonight. Like, that no, stretch of, of play. No, yeah. I mean, that's just one no, I know. No, I, I re-brought it up because it was a pivotal play. I mean, that, that's literally the kind of play that could have changed the trajectory of the rest of the game. Um, you know, given where we were. But again, Indiana shouldn't have been in that position. You know, and Andy, you look at the stats and the thing that jumps out, 33 minutes, 33 minutes, 33 minutes, 37 minutes, 33 minutes. That, those were the, the top five guys on Indiana's team. Al Durham ended up playing 33 minutes off the bench. McRoberts started and played 19 minutes. You know, that's a lot of minutes for those guys. And it is interesting that they had that energy to play like that at the end of the game. Now, maybe you could say, well, they were conserving it, you know, all the way up until there. So they, they had a, you know, a pretty, you know, filled tank. But hey, this is what it's going to be. Devontae Green is out. We have no idea when he's going to come back, if he's going to come back. Deron Davis is, you know, out. Maybe they're taking, you know, our advice and, you know, the doctor's advice and letting him get, you know, get fully healthy. It's going to be thin. You know, Demise Anderson isn't quite ready to play. You know, I thought Jake Forrester and Clifton Moore did a few nice things in there tonight, but Archie's not ready to give them more time. I mean, we're going to have to learn to play this many minutes, but get more consistent effort throughout. So, you know, you hope that a lesson is learned from the end of the game, but how now does that get translated? And we started out better. We actually had a good start. How does that get translated to the middle of the game? It's a rhetorical question. Yeah. I mean, unless you have the answer, in yeah, which case, I'd love the to hear. You ask can't be answered. Good job, Jared. Yeah. <laughs> no. 
no, I, I, I don't. I mean, I think, I think toward the end, you actually saw them, you know, start to have some confidence and they had guys make plays and they actually like look like they were enjoying themselves, which for the majority of the game, I know, you know, John Crispin talked about that a lot, wanting to really watch the bench and kind of what the, you know, body language and enthusiasm was and things like that for a team that was really struggling. But they, again, got in that stretch in the beginning of the second half where they really hung their head and, and let the game get away from them. And I'm, and I'm quite honestly not sure what made, what made things turn around um, at that stretch other than Juwan played really well in the stretch there where he just kind of seemed to say, screw it, I'm going to take the ball every time and, and do some things and, and got some big rebounds and things like that. But, it, you know, maybe that brought him out of it. Maybe something was said in the huddle. I have no idea. But I also, you know, what was said at halftime because whatever that was can be burned uh, at this point and never spoken of again. I, I really think it was... I don't know that it was as much extending the defense, which they did a little bit more, almost picking up half court at some points. They they came out in the second half, really started picking up about mid court, uh, which surprised me. Now that left room um, for pardon inside, and I thought that allowed them to get burned a little bit the way they attempted to navigate some of the screens um, when North Northwestern was basically hitting a three on every single possession early in the second half. Um, but I thought it was more offense because you know again we kind of we continue to talk about this team seems to and has seemed to derive its confidence on, on really both ends of the floor by how they play offensively. And when they got away from running, you know, constant ball screens, um, you know, Crispin brought it up again. They ran some, you know, flex actions and things like that, where they just did more off the ball. I, that seemed to one, allow them to actually score, which was delightful. Um, and, and two really gave them some confidence that, that allowed them to play better on the other end because the first half and the beginning of the second half really devolved into ball screens and guys standing around and either watching Juwan in the post or standing around and watching Romeo waiting for him to make a play. And even part of that stretch was when Romeo was getting taped up on the sidelines. He wasn't even on the floor. And I thought some of that was, it became a little bit more like, I don't, you know, do I need to defer to this guy? Can I, you know, should I take this shot? Should it go to this guy? Not saying this team is better when Romeo is not on the floor, but for that stretch there, they really made a run when they ran different things offensively and and then that spurred some confidence on the defensive end but you know if, if you can't so we'll see you know what they come out and run offensively if they come out and against Michigan and try to run a bunch of ball screens then I'll probably be hurling things at my TV um but I thought that was a big difference because it allowed them to get some confidence and actually look like they were having fun um but you know unfortunately defense has to be fun at some point and you can't let a guy come off the bench and continuously lose him when he's the only guy making shots and Northwestern starts running plays for a guy who's scored six points on the season coming into the game, I realize that's unforeseen. But once he's, you know, completely torching you to help off of him repeatedly was borderline ridiculous. So yeah, what happened yeah. late when they actually pressured him? He stepped out of bounds. <laughs> like, yeah, he had no amazing. idea what to do when somebody got up in him because he couldn't put the ball on the floor. No kidding. Yeah. But you know, you can't wait till he makes you know six threes and you foul him on another one to change your defensive approach on him either. So. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, this was, that's, this is what makes it so frustrating because they, you know, they did things well, but they were so bad during the stretch that they were bad that you really, you almost have to, you know, pinch yourself and circle back to say like, okay, well, I can't give you credit for playing well because you played so bad during the other stretch. So we'll just try to keep each other honest in that part. But, um, yeah, I I thought that was, I thought scoring and and really getting some momentum offensively was really the big thing because, that at least stemmed the tide a little bit. They got some stops and strung things together. And that seemed to me to happen 
somebody have to go back and look and figure out, you know, when they really did start doing some things differently offensively, but it seemed to be right around the time that the, that the game turned. Nice uh, comment in the chat here from Michael. I will follow this team through the pit of hell, like the early lean cream years. Not a sentiment I thought that we would be reading at this point in the season, but I credit Michael for his uh, his dogged determination to stick at with the team through these tough times. At the risk of going back to the well on the Christmas vacation quotes, look around you, Helen. We're at the threshold of hell. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> coming up as we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss in Northwestern, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment you might have missed, and then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Brian Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's fifth straight loss, a devastating 73-66 to defeat at the hands of the Northwestern Wildcats in Evanston. It is time now for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. Now, a couple that I want to point out, one that I talked about on the halftime report, and it's it's kind of been a theme. You know, I know Archie likes to get Romeo and Juwan rest and he likes to do it in the first half but he often does it before the under eight minute timeout and he takes both guys out and at this point in the game I know this is hard to remember back that far but Indiana really controlled the first 10 minutes of this game they jumped out to a nice lead they were kind of nursing a six seven eight point lead there for a while and it was 20 to 13 at this point and so he takes Romeo and Juwan out and the offense at that point was still doing pretty well we go three straight possessions with you know, I mean, take any lineup permutation you want with those two guys out, and it's going to look like, you know, where does the offense come from? And there wasn't any offense. I mean, you know, three straight possessions, we don't score. And it kind of set the stage for the offensive doldrums that were to come. Now, I don't know if those three possessions got us out of rhythm. I'm not going to try and extrapolate it that far. But what I do know is that point in the game, I know you want to get those guys rest, but it also feels like a time to kind of step on Northwestern's throat a little bit, make sure that you keep that advantage, and I just don't like taking both of those guys out when we're struggling so much offensively. So that was one, and the other one actually goes back to one of the very first possessions of the game. It was when Romeo Langford, uh, he, he drove in, he got his and one, and you saw Juwan Morgan get really excited for him, and he yelled out and one, he then came over and gave him a five. And it was one of the first times I can remember in a while a guy showing demonstrative enthusiasm for his teammate doing something. You know, we often see, you know, Juwan flexing and doing that kind of stuff. You know, we see guys do it when they do it. But I really thought Juwan came out tonight trying to set the right tone. He really played with enthusiasm early. And I don't know that, I mean, I think a lot of the guys kind of followed him in that. That's why we jumped out to that early lead. But I thought he especially had it. No. As, you know, I think he got a little gas there toward the end, but I really thought early on he set a good tone for this team. And it was just nice to see that because we haven't seen a lot of that. You know, now granted, there hasn't been a lot to celebrate recently, but that's one of the things I'd like to see from this team is a little bit more enthusiasm about playing together, a little bit more of that kind of togetherness. And I really like seeing that from Juwan. So I know it's a little thing, but it was something that jumped out early. And, you know, I think some of that went away when they really started to struggle, um, you know, there toward the early part of the game. So uh, those those two moments jumped out to me. Andy, anything else jump out to you? Uh, a couple a couple quick things um, at the beginning of that, that run to end the first half. Um, you know, Al had just, you know, they hit a three. This was one of those stretches where they had they had, you know, scored. You know, it looks like nine, nine points in a handful 
you know, possessions Northwestern. It was one of those, like, is the defense going to let it get away from them? Um, so Al scores on a nice drive, then gets a steal on the other end, gets fouled, missed both free throws. And then it started to kind of spiral that, um, that stretch down there. Then there was, um, another one. I forget when it was, it was some point in the second half, you know, it was, it was kind of a microcosm of what you saw from IU, you know, Justin Smith doesn't really, you know, is just waiting for the ball to go out of bounds so that I, you can get the ball. Northwestern player kind of fights around him, saves it off of him, gets him, uh, you know, gets Northwestern an extra possession. I don't think they scored there, but it just felt like that was still at a time when Northwestern was the clear aggressor um, and, and things really didn't change. And then one other, well, actually two other stretches I, I'll, I'll hit briefly. You know, after Northwestern went up 55 to 40, IU had four straight empty possessions really before they started doing some things differently offensively and started scoring that as it was a Juwan and one to begin with. Jake Forrester turnover, Al turnover, uh, which is one I think where he drove and they tied him up. Romeo took a long three early in the shot clock that was a miss. Fitzner took a three from way beyond the line and missed. Like those are four possessions that could have started the comeback earlier that were just not great plays. The the one on Jake is not ultimately his fault, I guess, because the pass really puts him in a position where he's bound to, you know, bound to to commit a charge. And then the other one, we might as well get to this now. I mean, the stretch of Demizi when he came in in the first half was, you know, was really poor. And I, I mentioned this after the last game. I go, if people want to clamor for for these guys on the bench to play, you better be ready for what might happen when he's out there. You know, let's a pass go right through his hands. Uh, the first, you know, offensive possession that he's in. Um, and then, you know, two possessions later, you know, he passes up a wide open three in the corner to dribble in, get up in the air, and then turns the ball over again. He and wasn't ready to catch the ball. Like, he just, he wasn't. It, yeah, it just, you know, and those were stretches where, you know, they get a, and in between those was a Romeo, you know, miss that, that he, you know, threw up, and then, you know, they get a dunk on the other end. I mean, those you know, in many in two of those three possessions, they're led directly to to Northwestern points. And again, all four. You know, Devontae's out for however long. We don't really know, but you know, you want to you want to give these guys opportunities, but you've got to be ready to play. And at some you know, at some point, it's not a surprise then that you're not back on the floor in the second half because there was really no reason um, to put him back in because he just did not seem ready. Uh, at all to be able to come in and contribute in a game when everything before the game, given the personnel that were available, would point to you need to be ready to play the game. Yep, Ryan, what you're muted? What stretches stood yes, out to uh, you? Well, no, I want I want to get into Demizi. I mean, stretches we could talk about. I think the key stretch was the one where Indiana just didn't score for like 12 minutes. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there it is, right there. There's your it's game. A, I mean, it's a mild exaggeration, but I, not completely. You're, you're mocking. You're mocking my segment. You're mocking. Well, Think about making this. a mockery scored, of it. Okay, well, here we go. Indiana scored 24 points in the first half against Northwestern, scored 42 in the second half. You score 42 in the first half or even 34, we'll say. You win the game. I mean, it's... it's Or don't give up 45 in the second. I mean, that would be another that would be another way to play it. Fine, but <laughs> it's... Uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just no consistency. And it's no. like that effort we saw the last 10 minutes, it's it's heartening because you saw some, like, maybe, okay, we're getting somewhere with this. And, you know, you change the flex offense and you give some different looks. And, wow, things are starting to work. Guys are starting to open up. You knock down an outside shot or two. Now, all of a sudden, there's driving lanes for a guy like Al Durham or a guy like Rob to get in there. And it opens things up for Romeo Langford a little bit. And it makes it easier for Jawan in the post. I mean, you saw some positives, but again, 
those positives, you're like, hey, this is okay. And then you realize the other 30 minutes actually happened and you weren't having a fever dream. Um, I, 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 <clears throat> that's the problem for me. And, and, and I'm going to, but I'm going to move on to Demisi because I think we need to talk about this because I've been getting a lot from people who say like Demisi Anderson was a great shooter in high school. He was X, Y, Z, you know, he scored a ton. We need offense, blah, blah, blah. I've been getting that from a lot of people. And if you guys both remember when I scouted Demisi last year, I said he was a redshirt candidate and he should redshirt. I thought he was nowhere near ready to compete at the college level. And there was a reason because he has, and this is, I know it's going to get interpreted the wrong way, but I had said that he has lazy motions on the court. I'm not saying he's lazy. I'm not saying he doesn't try hard. What I'm saying is there's just a laziness to his game, a softness to his game. And he doesn't always look prepared. And you can get away with that when you're playing lesser competition and you have a lot of talent. And Demisi clearly is a talented offensive guy. But he's also not super athletic. So defensively, if you are if you have lazy motions and you don't have great lateral quickness, defensively, you're going to get smoked constantly. It, I mean, he had a guy drive right by him tonight and he got a foul called on him. Uh, you know if you're standing on the perimeter and you're Demisi Anderson, you're supposed to shoot the ball. And you were right, Jared. There was a pass that came to him where he just wasn't even ready for the pass. It's like, dude, you're standing beyond the three-point line. If he can't turn that into a three-point attempt, he can't be on the court. Exactly. That's what he's there for. That's the whole thing. And, and then, you know, so he just, he wasn't ready to catch it. It came, he caught it, fumbled it. And then by that time, his defender had closed out to him. So he decided to drive, jumped in the air and threw it to nobody. I mean, it, you know, it was a turnover. I, a guy like that is very talented as far as scoring points. But I said a year ago, this is a guy who will not play, it, it, you know, his freshman year. I, I predicted he even more so than Jake Forrester. I thought he'd be a redshirt candidate because of that. There's a lot he needs to work on it. People have been clamoring for him because he can shoot uh, or he could shoot in high school. And he's just a guy who needs more development time. He needs to get more athletic. He needs to get in the gym and work out and, you know, be more demonstrative with his movements and all of that stuff. And we saw it tonight. This was a perfect opportunity. IU has been struggling to score, been struggling to shoot threes, been struggling with, you know, just the offense in general. And he's an offense. He's a guy who, if you had to put him on a scale, his, his, you know, one way or the other, he leans way towards offense instead of defense. There's an injured star, uh, an injured guy who gets a lot of minutes, you know, sometimes starter in Devonte green or not injured, but suspended guy. And there's an opening and he comes in this game. He should have been excited. He should have been locked in and ready to go. This is my chance to establish myself as a rotation player. And you get that effort. And uh, it had to be disappointing for everybody who, who is rooting for Demise because I mean, we all are, we all want him to be good. We, we would love to have another shooter on the floor, but he's just not ready and he's not physically ready and he's not mentally ready to be here, to be on the court right now. And, uh, that's a bummer because this team could really use, uh, you know, some instant offense off the bench. Well, and I th one thing kind of along those lines, even at the beginning of the game, you know, Zach started, passed up a few open looks within the first few minutes of the game. And then and Archie took him out and, and it was kind of surprising. I mean, we can all debate whether, you know, him taking a lot of shots is a good thing. Probably in the long run, it isn't. Um, but he seems so willing to pull the trigger against Purdue, even made those couple late he was so reluctant early that it just seemed like Archie got to a point where it's like, I can't play you if you're not going to look at the basket and pass up open shots. And that was kind of what, you know, Demise's turned into a turnover. 
eventually, but it's the same thing. I mean, shots are going to be there for, for people. And this team was, you know, at one point, I think through halftime, you know, seven of its last, you know, 43 over a hundred minutes of basketball shooting three pointers. So not necessarily advocating this team needs to be firing up shots, but there's going to be times within the flow of the offense. that guys have to be ready and willing to step up and take shots. Now, the flip side of that is it was one that Justin Smith took that's, you know, eight seconds into the shot clock in the second half where, you know, if, if, and it was, I think one of the, one of the segments where they were really scoring well, yeah. um, and it just gave up a, you know, a possession there where it was like, yeah, you can make that shot, but the way he had shot from there in the first half was, was so far off that it just didn't make sense to, um, you know, to take it. And, so, you know, just some of those stretches of of kind of knowing when to take those shots. But, it, you know, at some point you got to find five guys to put out there and, yeah. you know, people who are ready to play. And um, I thought that was it, it just definitely felt like an opportunity loss for Demisi. And then you wonder, you know, when do you get the next opportunity again? Or, you know, coach looks down the bench against Michigan. Is that what you're going to want to do? So you don't want your season to be defined by three minutes of poor play. But we saw a little bit of that even the last game as well. Like. The opportunity is there, whether, you know, you expected it to be or not. And, it, you know, he was a guy we talked about redshirting that the, you know, the opportunity for that has long since passed, given all the injuries. So at some point, you got to be ready to step in and go. And this team is in a weird spot when it comes to shot selection, because Archie has said, and I think rightly so, this is not going to be a team that's a volume three point shooting team. We just don't have the shooters. And yet we know that we need to shoot more because we need to create space. And the offense is creating some open three-pointers, along with the fact that defense is just leaving guys wide open. Yeah. So it's like it's this fine line, because I thought in the first half there were several opportunities where guys passed up a great look, and then we ended up forcing a bad one. You know, so it's like it's like, you know, Zach or Justin or somebody would be overwilling to pass it, but then we'd end up having to chuck something up at the end of the shot clock, where it's like, well, if you just shot the ball but you know two passes earlier we would have been in a better spot and yet you know you get the threes like Justin's where it's like all right well that one's maybe a little bit too early so it's like you have guys that are struggling with their confidence and Justin's not a natural three-point shooter but you want him to shoot more and yet you don't want him to take that one but that one's good so you know I just think this team right now is a little bit off kilter with what's a good shot what should we be taking and then you've got the fact that we just don't make many of them so it's a really weird spot to be in offensively where you need to take more your percentages are not holding up against higher volume and you're really struggling to understand what are the kind of shots that we need to take and I think that contributes to some tentativeness and just a lack of confidence and to me that's that's kind of what's happening right now if you're thinking about a shot you're not going to make that shot I mean it I, has to be instinctive if you're sitting there thinking okay I need to shoot this or I shouldn't shoot this you're not going to make it Who's There's the one no guy who looks confident every time he shoots the ball? Fantasy. Yes. Durham, to Al a certain Durham. extent. Yes. He didn't shoot Al. great tonight, but Allen Rob. You know, two of his three threes were, were pretty close. And, yeah. and, you know, I mean, at least they were on target. Uh, Fitzner was off by a foot on the one he took. It was ridiculous. You just tell there's no confidence. Uh, Smith, he his form is fine. He just hesitates too long on his when he rises and fires. It's He, he shoots it. You're supposed to shoot at the top of your jump. I know I'm getting into the shot talking crap, but you're supposed to shoot at the top of your jump, and he jumps and then shoots, and it's two separate motions, and he does it on his free throws, too. It's not a smooth motion. It's like go up and then release instead of just going through your motion naturally. 
And that's like a fifty dollar tip from you. You usually charge more for that kind of advice. You know what? I'm at a point in the season. I'm just being magnanimous. Uh, Got to <laughs> give the people some reason to tune in, right? Uh, you know, and McRoberts is the same way. It just doesn't look natural at all, and it doesn't look like it doesn't look fluid. And uh, I think Romeo's shot it looks fluid, but they just aren't going in. And and I think some of that is just. He's not there yet as a three-point shooter. He's probably a guy who has been a driver his whole life because he's been able to get whatever he wants when he drives. Why would he take threes? And he's a shot maker from inside the three-point line. Outside the three-point line, he needs uh, he needs some work. He made some mid-range. Got back to making his free throws yeah, tonight. And so there was, and that's fine. Uh, look, if, we, if we're gonna go in on on Romeo, I just four for ten. Uh, and 12 points is not acceptable against Northwestern. He's got to be better than that. I realize the defenses are focusing on him and they're collapsing and not giving him open shots. He's got to find a way to get to the free throw line then because he's got to be better than that against a team like Northwestern. There's nobody on that team that could guard him. And, and every time they doubled, he either dribbled into it or didn't find the open man. And it's, you know, he, he just, he's such a smart basketball player and he's so ridiculously talented that he's got to do better in a game like this. This is a game he should dominate. I mean, let's be real. He should absolutely own this game. Well, we're 16 minutes in and we haven't done stats yet. Here's some stats for you. Indiana lost 73, 60, what was it? 66. And we've lost five in a row. Those seem like about the only relevant stats right now. I will say Indiana did out rebound. No, yes, they did. No, no, we'll pick up stats That's in the next good. segment. We'll pick it up because that there, there's an important point to be made there. So we'll we will pick that up next segment. All right, uh, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Northwestern. We'll talk stats and also a very interesting comment from Archie Miller that we might actually be able to take as good news. We'll talk about that next. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you're there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are subscribed. It will make you a smarter and more well-informed IU fan. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And we're up late breaking down another Indiana loss. The Hoosiers fall in Evanston 73-66. to uh, so that's just a, a couple stats I think that are worth mentioning. Rebounding has been a big issue for this team. Um, and Archie talked about it with Fish you know, on the pregame show. That that's been a big, big key for them, a big focus. Well, tonight, Indiana really did a nice job on the glass. They got 14 offensive rebounds themselves, uh, and Northwestern only got five. Uh, and so, you know, Indiana, you know, they gave themselves some extra chances. They kept Northwestern from getting extra chances. Uh, the Hoosiers scored 17 second-chance points. Northwestern only got three you know, Jawan and Justin were very good on the glass. Romeo did a nice job rebounding from the guard spot. He had six. So that was nice to see. And, you know, again, you, know, you kind of look for, you know, is this team kind of on the same page with its head coach? And it's tough because we don't know exactly what they're trying to do offensively. So at times it's hard to judge that. But on some of these keys that they really wanted to get to coming into this game, you know, like the like the rebounding, they really did a nice job with it. So, you know, on a night where there aren't too many positives to point to, you know, the rebounding number was good. The assist number overall, given the amount of buckets they had, you know, 15 assists on 23 buckets, that's a pretty good number. But obviously the volume uh, of baskets they were able to get just wasn't good enough. But the the rate is something that you would take if you could extrapolate that out over some more uh, makes. 
Uh, Andy, any other numbers that stood out to you? I mean, turnovers, IU had 13, Northwestern only had five. Um, neither team actually, for as well as Northwestern shot during that one stretch, I mean, for the game, they shot less than 40% from yeah. the floor, which actually suggests they shot worse from two-point range than they did from three-point range, which is uh, insane. But, I mean, they, like I said, yeah, they made two field goals the last 12-10, but they, they had a free throw rate of over 100 uh, in the second half. They got 27, 27 free throw attempts. Um, that's insane. They were 19 of 27 in the second half alone. Yeah. That's, they, they shot two I mean, free some throws. Of those late, half and, but... Yeah. Some of those are late. I use fouling. Um, you know, IU actually shot well from the line. So of course that, that worked out, but I mean, four of 21 from three for IU only 38% from the floor. I mean, if you look down the individual shooting numbers, um, it's brutal. I mean, only two guys were, you know, shot at least 50% from the floor. One of those was Fitzner, who was one of two. The other was Al Durham, who was four of seven. Juwan was close seven to 15. 4 of 10 for Langford, 3 of 12 for Justin Smith, 4 of 12 for Finnessy, 0 for 2 for McRoberts. I mean... By the way, Finnessy on at least three of those got fouled. There were drives where he's into the, in, into the teeth of the defense and clearly just got hammered. And they well, just, then the last one, though, that they, he did get to the line for, he did not get fouled at all. So I don't oh, know. really? I didn't, I, yeah, I don't think I said it was a pretty It was a pretty clean block. They must have said that he got him with the body. But they, yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, points in the paint, 30 to 14 in favor of IU, but part of that is just because IU couldn't make threes and Northwestern could. Yeah. Um, so They're those numbers kind of line up with, uh, you know, with what you'd see. It did seem like, um, and if I was, you know, if I hated myself, I would go back and watch part of this game, which I will likely not do. Um, do it tonight but, after the show. It's early. <laughs> yeah. Just see how many beers I can drink and then, and then go from there. Um, but, it, but it did seem like, you know, one of the other things philosophically that IU hasn't done, I think you guys had a question uh, about this on, on banner Monday slash Tuesday today around offensive rebounding. And it did seem like IU sent, you know, at least, a, you know, Juwan and, and Justin were really going a little bit more after offensive rebounds at one point. Um, maybe it just turned into the like Costanza, if if doing the opposite of every instinct I have is right, then that is the way to go. And and I you just completely changed up what they were doing on the offensive end. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether that's a you know a, a, an aberration over the course of this game based on you know personnel and different things like that. But that was that's definitely different philosophically from what they've done. And thought it was interesting just because I know you guys had that question earlier. Well, I mean, yeah, uh, with the you know, it's not like Northwestern has a big dominant guy on the glass. So it, this is the kind of game where it would make sense. Yeah. They're not a good rebounding team. So. Also no shortage of missed shots for IU to go after. So that yeah, also, there you go. also helps. But, I mean, you know, out rebounding, out rebounding Northwestern 44 to 29. That's pretty pronounced. Um, so I, I, you know, I have to give him credit for doing that. I mean, the problem is, is that, that the, is that with all those missed shots, they weren't able to create fast break opportunities. I mean, they had four fast break points. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I, you know, that that's the that's no, and 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 Northwestern had turnover eight block shots too. That's unbelievable. Yeah, some of those were fouls, and you know, and the defensive turnover number is an issue because when this team was playing well early in the season, we were forcing turnovers, and you know, I and, and we picked up the pressure late again. You know, so I don't know if maybe you're a little scared to have your guards really pressuring the ball too much because you, especially without Devonte, I mean, you could not afford any of those guys to get in foul trouble. You know, of course, they didn't. Well, I guess Romeo had four, but Rob only had one. You know, Durham ended up getting three. But, I mean, you know, we're, we're kind of at the point in the season where we may have to do some of those things that maybe Archie didn't want to do in an ideal world, but he has not been dealt an ideal 
hand this year. Nope. So maybe we have to go to the offensive glass more than we want to. And maybe we give up a little bit more defensively, but we have to, to squeeze out some more offensive efficiency. Maybe we've got to pick up a little bit more and extend the defense a little bit more. Maybe that'll tire guys out and pick up fouls, but you know what? We're going to have to maybe throw caution to the wind a little bit or, or you know, pitch the ideal game plan to try and change things up and figure things out and just manufacture some opportunities to get some easy points. So, you know, look, we're spitballing here and, you know, we don't have the answers, but, you know, the things that we've been doing haven't been working. And maybe that's, again, as you try and look for something to grasp onto to give you some level of hope as you move forward, because there's still a lot of season to play. Maybe the adjustments we saw late in this game shows that the stubbornness that has defined some of this early play in Big Ten is starting to erode as the realization hits that, look, we just got to find any way to scratch claw, fight our way to points, you know, in these games. So anyway, yeah, I, mean, I used 10 of 55 shooting threes in the last three games. So for a team that struggles to score, like, I mean, and that was, and potentially that in addition to the competition early in the season, masked a little bit of maybe the underlying offensive struggles that this team would have because they were able to get easy baskets by getting out in transition. They're just not getting easy baskets. And that's where some of the offensive rebounding helped a little bit today, at least, you know, allowed some some things that way, but there's just no. I mean, every every possession it looks like a struggle offensively right now. And I think the Ken Palm updated they're outside of the top fifty in adjusted offensive efficiency at this point. So um, that continues to plummet. Yep. Um, all right, Ryan, you pointed this tweet out, and look, we we haven't had a whole lot of good news, and obviously, as you know, we we learned before the game that we were going to be without two players that we thought might be able to play, and Devonte Green and Deron Davis. But we've gotten some good news on Race Thompson that I don't think anybody was really expecting. Like I, there is not one person I talked to with knowledge of this that didn't think that he was out for the whole year. I mean, that has been what people have been talking about with Race, and he dressed tonight. He was out there in warmups, and Zach Osterman tweeted, Archie Miller says we'll see when asked how close Race Thompson is back to being full go. He says he's been cleared recently, wasn't available tonight, but is progressing. Quote: I wouldn't be surprised if we go with Race a little bit here down the stretch. Now, how much can you expect from a guy who hasn't been able to practice and play? How long will it take him to get going? I don't know. At this point, I don't care. It's past midnight. We've lost five games in a row. I want some good news, and this qualifies. And I'm just happy for him that he's been cleared and might be able to get back on the court and salvage something of this season because that has to be you know, just awful to go through, dealing with a concussion and not being able to play. So that's some good news, Ryan, that uh, who knows? Maybe it'll turn into another productive body on the court as well. It's huge. I mean, I expected Race Thompson to be a top seven rotation guy this year uh, based on what I saw in high school, what I saw physically from him. Uh, and then what we saw in brief stretches, you know, in that, I mean, the only thing we got an eye on was uh, Hoosier hysteria. Uh, but he's a guy I expected to be a top seven guy, be a guy who could come in and spell Jawan Morgan, and not create a hole at the center of the, the, center of the team. Um, he's a guy who can do some inside out stuff. He's a guy who can play defense. Uh, he's a guy with some size and some length and some athleticism. He's a guy that Indiana needs to be healthy and he hasn't been. So, um, let's just hope that this is something that can happen soon. It's, it's great. Cause I had not heard that he'd been cleared. Uh, no. so this is a great story. I mean, cause it's say you've been cleared for a little bit and it had been working out. So, uh, the fact that he dressed and, got out there and did warmups and everything like that. We know he's been traveling with the team. And so hopefully we're, we're uh, progressing that way. So I do, I want to hit Romeo just a little bit longer because, you know, he has four points against Purdue 12 tonight. It felt like everything was such a struggle and that's what we've been seeing. 
Andy, what do you think are some things Indiana could do or try to do to get him some some freer looks to get him some more space. I mean, you know, you're not going to run necessarily a play to get him an open three or something like that, but what, what can Indiana do? What adjustments can they make to try and get him the ball in space so he can operate without everything being so clogged? I I mean, the first half and really the beginning of the second really showed, and this might be something for, for you and Ben to, to look at a little bit on, um, on, on basketball 201 next week is the way that defenses are playing IU on ball screens. I mean, they're basically doubling him every time he comes off, just basically daring somebody else to be able to make a shot and everybody's, you know, got a foot in the paint. And so to me, you've got to get away from that to a certain extent. I know it's, I know it's a desire to get him the ball in a way that can drive to the basket, but at some point get him off some curls where you can maybe get him you know, going to the rim when he gets it, as opposed to having to drive around somebody off the dribble, because I, I just, you know, defenses are going to continue to do that. And it's not, and Northwestern does have some length defensively. You know, Vic Law is a guy who's, you know, been talked about as one of the Big Ten's better defenders. And I think that's, that's reasonable. And I think he can be disruptive. Eastern was disruptive. But the reality is that, you know, they're going to double him off of those and basically force him to go, you know, east and west as opposed to toward the basket. And if he wants to settle for a jump shot when he's out there, they're, they're going to let him. So I think you've got to find other ways to screen for him and get him the ball in a situation where he's getting it going downhill and you're not relying on a ball screen to get it to him because that is just, you know, teams have kind of figured that out and and basically running those is allowing everybody else to help and basically stand in the paint. I mean, even the one down the, down the stretch where he got called for an offensive foul, I mean, the guy stood and I think that one actually came off a ball screen as well I mean the guy just went and stood there you know two seconds before he came in now that's a charge he's got to see that guy standing there and can't shoot a floater and just plow him over but I mean that guy had no idea whoever it was that slid over to take the charge had absolutely no idea where his actual man was on the play and didn't care and that's basically how teams are playing him at this point so I just don't you, you can't abandon the ball screen entirely although part of me would would maybe like that but um i think you need to see far less of that and try to get him the ball off some other you know actions and, and those kinds of things some other screens to to let him go pin downs or or different things like that i also wonder ryan if he shouldn't maybe be a little bit more willing to pull up for a mid-range jumper i just pulled up synergy to look at the numbers and on 14 mid-range shots this season uh he's generated 20 points that's almost 1.5 points per possession which is in the 99th percentile now he's obviously not good as a three-point shooter, and you know struggles you know on catch and shoot situations. But he's actually been pretty good off the dribble in the mid-range, and maybe you know instead of driving into the teeth of the defense at all times, he just needs to pull up a little bit more, and that I mean, might get guys lurching out toward him with a little hesitation. You know, maybe he can you know then go. That's by fair. I, that's fair. But what I do think is, it, if you are going to drive into the teeth of the defense, you need to at least get fouled almost it, like seventy-five percent of the time. People are going to call it for him uh, if he's just. But that, isn't he doing that though? Like, what could he do differently to try and get fouled more? I, I, I you know, I mean, I think finish at the try and finish at the rim more. I, I know that he's kind of pulled up a few times and done little floaters and and tried to roll over the rim instead of maybe going to the glass uh, a little bit. He's really good at that though. You know, getting those th- those to go. So I, you know, I don't really know, but I, I do think that if you're not going to pull up and you are going to take something contested through him, you've got to make sure that if you're going to go up, you're at least getting some contact if you're not going to make it. And, and um, you know, that's just something that, again, will develop as he gets older, I think. Um, yeah. Um, 
who else do we need to do we need to hit here? We've talked. Let's talk. Let's talk Al real quick. And I know you know Ryan. You're going to talk about him in the next segment. But I I I continue to be impressed with Al's aggressiveness. Like I really feel like Al has taken the next step in his maturation as a player. Confidence is not a problem for Al Jimmy Durham. No, and I like it. I mean, the little turnaround jumper that he had in the first half was great. You know, he really he that, took the ball to the hole well in the second half. That was great. The okay, only I'm, thing that prevented him tonight is he was only one of four on threes, or he would have had a 16, 17 point game. It's a good game. Here's what him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say real quick about that little turnaround jumper. That 100% reminded me of Victor Oladipo. Now, I'm not saying he's Victor Oladipo, but Whoa. that one play reminded me of like what Victor Oladipo does now. Not even when he was in college. It was just, you know, it was so smooth and perfect. I was like, where the hell has that been? But I, you know, it was a one, it was one shot and one attempt. But that was just like, whoa, where did like the way he held his body, the way he moved, it was it was crazy. You I did sugar not, and son of a bitch. I, li- I, I didn't I like. <laughs> hey, no, listen. I like this that. Not prompted- Jeremiah April's turnaround jumper, Jared. Okay, or turnaround hook, or what? Whatever it was. Okay, I'm just that saying thing, that, that thing was, was beautiful. Kinda, they showed the replay, and I was just kind of like, "Whoa, what happened here?" That that uh, prompted you- a great line from John Crispin, who said, "This team seems to be able to make the tough shots and can't make the wide open ones." And I was like, "Yeah, that that was uh, prophetic for the way the rest of the game would go." I, I was pretty well, John. Well, and the numbers back it up. We've been talking about that. The synergy numbers were better guarded than unguarded. It's that's just I don't know I don't know what the deal is, but that's true. Um, all right, so let's uh, we'll talk about the rest of the guys in the next segment. Um, let's get to it. Coming up here in our final segment, we hand out our game balls. We hit any other storylines that we haven't hit. And then in last call, we will deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's loss to Northwestern. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 73-66 to loss to Northwestern as the Hoosiers fall to 12-7 and and 3-5 and overall in the conference with several more very, very difficult games coming up. Uh, so no, no relief in sight right now for Indiana. Uh, but guys, let's get to our game ball picks here to start. Uh, Ryan, why don't you lead off since you've already told us in the chat who you're choosing. It's it's Al Durham. I, I thought he had the best game of anyone. I thought he played a full whatever. I mean, you know, he played 33 minutes, but he, you know, he gave a full 40 minute effort. I thought on both ends, uh, I thought he played very well defensively, was very involved, was not screwing up, had was mentally in the game. He came off the bench, which he's only done three times this year, but he was locked in and he was ready to go. And he took his shots with confidence. He went hard at the hoop. Uh, the only complaint I have about his game is that he missed three free throws. He was two of five, um, but he's been maybe our most consistent free throw shooter this year. So I guess we'll just have to take this as a as a rough one on the road. But uh, I thought he played a really, really good game and I was impressed with him. Yeah, I thought Al was great, but I think the game ball goes to Jawan Morgan. 18 points, 11 rebounds. He really led Indiana on the glass. I thought he came out and set a really good tone on the road that you need and helped Indiana get off to a good start. Um, You know, he played 37 minutes, uh, obviously got in some foul trouble there, um, but also had three assists. And I just, I thought he was... He was the most consistent player to me throughout the game um, for Indiana. And I know it's easy. We expect so much of him that we grade him on a curve. 
but I thought he was an important anchor for Indiana tonight that tried to come out and be the exact leader we've asked him to be early in games, and he did that. Um, unfortunately, he didn't have enough teammates that were able to kind of help him sustain that through the middle part of the first half and the beginning of the second half. Um, so not a perfect effort by any means, but I thought he was the best player for Indiana tonight. Uh, Andy, who do you have? I was down to those two. I thought you'd let me go second, and then I would make you break the tie. But uh, So thanks for that. I really appreciate I it. I like to mix it up. Uh, yeah, that was thoughtful of you. Um, Jennifer you know says I, Rob's dunk deserves the game ball. I got the banner moment, not the game ball. That, that was that was solid. Uh, I'm going to say Al. Um, I, I think the points on... God, I, I, agreed for us. I agreed with Ryan, just in case this night couldn't get any worse. Um, but no, I, 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 I see the argument for Juwan, and I was was leaning that way um but i think as you as you look forward for you know if this team's going to turn this around they need more performances like this from al durham and if you can get a lift like that from him off the bench especially with Devonte out for who knows how long uh al made a big three late and i really thought you saw the you know the load that juan had to play really take its toll down the stretch i mean he looked like he was really laboring toward the end of the game and um you know didn't score a whole lot down the stretch I don't think after you know he kind of had that stretch where he started to will them back when it was they were down 15 and I think he scored five points in in pretty quick succession there but I'm not sure he scored the rest of the game um if I've got this written down correctly so I just thought Al provided a really good lift on a night when you knew that you needed somebody to really step up and uh and thought he played well I don't think you can go wrong with with either guy but uh Got to throw Ryan a bone here every once in a while. No, you don't. That's you do not. And that is. I'm just kidding. That is just, absolutely no, not the he, criteria you should go. I with. truly, I truly thought he, I truly thought he played well, and and um, you know, some of the plays he made were uh, were really solid. And I thought, I thought Morgan again at times struggled a little bit with Derek Pardon inside, and and with IU extending the defense the way they did, I thought they set him up to struggle a little bit because nobody was close enough to come and help. Um, so that's, you know, as you talk about extending the defense, it's one of the downsides of that is you really leave him on an island against a, a big guy like that. It should be noted, the chat mob went with Juwan, and as Aaron mentions, again, the electoral vote beats the popular vote here on the Seven Golf. Popular <laughs> vote is the only one that matters in here, right? No, the electoral vote would be the one that matters. In here? Yeah, in here. This, that That's us. Oh, oh, I get what they're saying. I thought they were saying they were the electoral one. No. All right. Yeah. We win, Andy. <laughs> yeah. Um... All right. What else haven't we talked about for this game that we need to hit? Is there anything else? I mean, I, I do. You know, the, one thing that I do want to say that we haven't talked about yet is Clifton Moore came in and played two minutes in the first half. I did not think that he did anything that warranted him not getting more minutes, if that makes sense. Like, he hustled his way into a block shot. He got a couple of rebounds. He's always got, like, when you watch Clifton Moore, he really tries. Now, granted, we've never seen him play extended minutes, so who knows if that's a short spurt and he isn't able to sustain it. But as you mentioned, you know, Andy, Juwan did get a little bit worn down, and the game flow in the second half, you know, you, there's probably no time in there when you could say, oh, this is a good time for Clifton to go in. But, man, it would have been nice to steal a couple minutes at some point because I, I just, you know, there weren't any big breakdowns, and he was active at least. So I thought of all the guys, you know, Jake and Clifton and Demise and Evan who came in, I thought, you know, for Clifton, I thought kind of played the best. So he would have been kind of the seventh guy if anybody else was going to get more minutes. And I, I was, just would have liked him to see a play. I would have it, liked him to see, to see him play a little more. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised that that Forster is the one who came in to spell Morgan the only time he was out in the second half. I just kind of would have assumed that it would be more. He had a couple defensive rebounds, had a block shot when he was in there. So I didn't necessarily, you know, where you find other minutes for him and Jake, I think becomes difficult because I'm not, 
they're kind of the same guy at this point in their uh, in their careers. So it, it almost feels like you'll pick one and, and roll with that guy. So yeah, I was a little bit surprised that he wasn't the guy that got the call in the second half when Morgan went out kind of around around one of the timeouts. And it was really after IU had gotten down um, quite a bit. And so, yeah, I would have liked to see him a little bit more. I think the challenge in this particular game was you you pretty much had to bring him in for Juwan because you wouldn't, you know, then one of them has to apparently, you know, chase Falzon around screens, um, you know, that, that nobody saw just because the way Northwestern plays with, you know, kind of the four round one with Pardon inside. So if you weren't putting him in for Juwan, there really wasn't an argument to be made to say, Hey, let's go put him in for Justin and then have Juwan go chase somebody around screens. That doesn't really do a whole lot to get him rest, but I, I would agree. I thought he probably earned another chance to get the you know get the minutes in the second half when John went out. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the difference in the game or anything, but no, definitely I've, not. No, I mean, you know, I've been, I've been critical of him, but I've thought that the last couple times he's come in there, the obvious kind of mess ups have been minimized, and I just I really appreciate his willingness to try. You know, for a team that it seems like there's been these ebbs and flows of effort and seeming to play with enthusiasm, I feel like he kind of gets out there and appreciates the minute he get the minutes he gets and really tries to do something with them. So, just wanted to just wanted to give that throw that That's out fair. there for for Clifton. All right, um, so let's see. Coming up here, we've got Assembly Call Radio on Thursday, so we've got plenty to talk about for that. And then the Michigan game is Friday, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's six Friday. It's I want six thirty Eastern. Boy, that is going to be an interesting game to see what the arena is like. It's kind of a weird early start on a Friday, which would kind of lead you to believe it'll be a little bit of a late arriving crowd. You've got a team that's lost five games in a row. Obviously, there's you know a portion of folks that are uh, not following the team into the depths of hell, like our commenter Michael talked about earlier. What do you expect from the Simon Scott Assembly Hall Arena on Friday? Will it be? just jazzed up crazy ready to take on the challenge of Michigan or is this going to be a subdued you know lackluster crowd what what do you guys think I don't really know I don't know what to expect if it is a subdued crowd Indiana is screwed uh they need I I would have to think that we'll rise to the occasion even with the five game the five game losing streak I will uh I I don't think I will be on that post game show just FYI but uh, uh, I would love to be, but I have uh, some radio duties in San Diego, so I may I may miss it. But uh, mm. I know that the uh, the I know that the the assembled group here will be raucous no matter what happens. We will be rock. Andy, are you going to be here for that? Yes, I will. I will be here for that. Okay, very nice. All right. Well, I guess we'll we'll wait and see what the arena will be like. But we certainly need it to be because Michigan is beatable. Like that, you know, I mean, at, at our place, I mean, they are really, really good, and it would take a great effort from us, but that would be exactly the kind of thing. If they can take these final 10 minutes, and I mean, uh, whatever. You know what? I sound like a broken record saying that. Don't, don't do that to yourself. No, no. I, I know. I know. Let's see it first, because we can say that every game. Oh, well, this four-minute stretch, they played really well. Play like that for 40 minutes. Yeah, duh. Now we just need to see it. Anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Michigan almost lost at home to Minnesota tonight. So they're certainly, this is when you want to get them. They're vulnerable. Yeah, they're beatable. The question is, are we winnable? <laughs> like, are we <laughs> able to win a game right now? Because they are beatable. I know that didn't come out right, but it's late and we lost again. <laughs> and you'll have to forgive me. Um, all right, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com and HomeFieldApparel.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, Go to homefieldapparel.com, and if you want one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's unique 
Indiana-inspired designs. Visit HoosierProud.com on both sites. Use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Uh, all right, guys, it's time for last call. Andy, uh, since you are in the later time zone, you get to go first. <laughs> so so nice of you. Um, you know, it, it's hard not to get into the place of where you just started to veer of, well, if they can they can play with this energy i mean but the rea- but then you, you kind of need to and I, I joked about this earlier like we have to circle ourselves back to like we haven't seen that in the better part of a month quite frankly and and, and you could see a little bit of it early and you know some of the non-conference games where they you know came out lax and let themselves get behind and then tried to play their way back into the game and won a lot of those close games and beat some good teams doing that um but but the reality is at this point i mean this team is who they've shown themselves to be over these last, you know, five games where they're inconsistent and they have been unable to consistently bring the effort needed to be able to win big 10 basketball games. And until we see otherwise, I don't think there's any other lens through which you can view the team other than that. And you know, what, what it takes for them to realize and to play with the energy that they need to, and that they've shown only in brief spurts, I don't know what that wake up call is because you would like to think that it would have come um, already. But what you heard tonight was a team whose coach still felt like he needed to basically coach them through defensive possessions from the other end of the floor. When the mic is picking that up of literally every cut, every pass, every, every contest, you could hear him essentially telling guys what to do. Like he, he can't be the one to do that. And there's criticism you know, to be laid on him for the fact that they need to do that at this point. But you're, you know, 20 games into the season and your coach is literally trying to drag you through the possession defensively. You had, you had, you know, reached that far into the depths of hell or whatever we're calling it at this point. And that is alarming um, to be able, you know, but I thought that, you know, the mic picking that up, it's not like the Penn State crowd where the mic picking up, you know, noise near the announcers makes you want to scream into a pillow. This was revealing to me of, and I meant to bring it up earlier, I don't know what made me think of it, you know, as we were starting into this, but that's pretty revealing for where this team is, that they're fragile and, and lack confidence in a way that the coach feels that that's necessary. And maybe it actually is. So you know, what needs to happen to pull themselves out of that? I don't really know. Um, maybe you saw a glimmer of that, but I'm not going to believe it until we see it more sustained. And hopefully that comes Friday night. Maybe it comes a game after that. Maybe it comes never. Um, but right now it's, it's hard to view the team any way other than that. Well said, Brian, last call. Can we just end this losing streak already? I mean, seriously, the fan base is tearing itself apart. People hate each other. The players don't look like they're having any fun. Guys, please, this is my plea to the players. Beat Michigan. Please just beat Michigan. I would be so happy if you just beat Michigan. Just Maybe you need to send more coach tweets like you did in the second half. Maybe that's the problem. They respond Maybe to you. I'll, 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 you know what? I'll write up a little uh, pregame speech tweet, and I'll post that before the Michigan game. Keep an eye out for that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I look, I Archie, you can take it and use it if you'd like, my friend. Um don't even credit me. I don't care. Uh, he does care. But, yeah, he wants credit. Um, <laughs> and, and he won't credit you, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, he won't. Uh, but no, look, it's 
as I said, as the, the tweet I sent out, like, honestly, what does this team want to be? Do they want to be a team that, you know, is known for an O for whatever stretch in the Big Ten that buried their season? Or do they want to be known as a team that had some had some adversity, had some struggles, took a while to get through it, obviously, but figured it out and wound up, you know, rising to the occasion as a team and and um, became, you know, better because of what they went through. Uh this team just the players just have to decide what they want. And and if I'm Juwan Morgan, if I'm Zach McRoberts, I'm not being passive about this. This is my last chance to play for IU. I'm not being passive about this. I'm getting everybody together. We're going, we get home, we're going to the facility and we're talking. And we're just gonna say, look, guys, this is where we're at. We, there's nothing you can do. You can look back and and think of these last five games and think, God, we had so many missed opportunities. We had X, Y, Z, as we mentioned, the Justin Smith dunk and this and you've lost these games as a team and you've lost these through the process of the game, not one play or, or whatever. So they need to sit down and talk about, Hey, if we all get on the same page and we don't make these boneheaded plays, whoever it is, don't make these boneheaded plays at certain times. And we keep the momentum we get when we get it. If we stop suffering these huge long droughts, if we can just all kind of be on the same page, there's enough talent on this team to overcome injuries, uh, you know, a lack of depth, um, you know, the fact that we can't shoot threes, like all that stuff. They were overcoming that for a while. They just ran out of steam. It's just time for them to figure out how they can improve on that and, and how they can get back to doing what they were doing and being successful at it. And it's not going to take one guy. It's going to take the entire roster kind of banding together and lifting each other up. Another encouraging thing we saw tonight, I mean, you know, I'm not happy about the loss. Nobody is. We haven't, you know, made this sound like we're happy or or it's a good time. But another encouraging thing was seeing the bench interact, which we haven't seen in a while. It, it, you know, they were every single play. They were involved. They were cheering on their teammates. I mean, it's stuff like that that you need to see from a team and you need these guys to just get back to having fun playing basketball. Right now, it looks like they're in stretches it just looks like they don't even want to be there and and i don't think that's the truth i think that they just are worn down by the criticism worn down by you know mentally worn down physically worn down and, and i think it's just they need some good news and they need something good to happen beating michigan at home on friday would be a good thing to happen so that's that's what i'll say is guys go out and just kick the tires off of michigan i don't care what you have to do play up to your ability and kick the doors off of them and send them back to Ann Arbor unhappy. I just think we're exhausted from how hard it is to score points. It's hard to play basketball and have a lot of fun when you're not scoring points. And here's a stat to send you off to bed with positive thoughts from, uh, from Zane Pirelli. Uh, the last time Indiana made four or fewer three-pointers in three straight games, what season? Do you want to wager a guess, Andy? What season? The last time, um, four fewer three pointers. It's during gonna, assembly call. We we were uh, doing a show. I can only assume it's the Vonley season. I forget yes. which what year that is. But twenty fourteen. Oh yeah. Was it thirteen fourteen or fourteen fifteen? Thirteen fourteen. Okay, so twenty thirteen fourteen. Yes, four yeah, of eighteen, four of ten, three of twelve performances. Yes, and the Hoosiers currently in the midst. I think one of you guys mentioned this of a ten for fifty five three point stretch over the past three games. You know, I mean, part of. The enthusiasm and the excitement comes from being able to score, and Indiana's going to have to unlock that somehow. They're either going to have to start making shots or just figuring out a way to manufacture more points. There's no question about it um, because that's they, they've got to be able to score, and, they, and they've got to be able to score in easier ways, and they've been able to do it right now to to get this thing turned around. But I think we all 
you know, look, five losses. There's not a ton to say. I think you guys summed it up very well. Indiana, this tonight was a huge opportunity. It was a big challenge, but it was a huge opportunity to be able to get a win. Indiana didn't. One thing I'm going to tease for Thursday night is, you know, Archie Miller, when he took over at Dayton, it was not like a straight line to success. It took him a few years to get going. And in their third season, they had a stretch of play somewhat like this. And they were able to turn that around. And I think that story and some of the things that they kind of said about it, reflecting back on it, are interesting. And, and something that, you know, this, I know, you know, people have been critical and are wondering if he has answers offensively and all of these things. But he's been through a situation like this before. Not at the level of Indiana, obviously. It'll be interesting to see if he is able to take any of the lessons that they learned there, apply them here, and get things turned around. Because this team can win games. They've still got a lot of winnable games ahead of them. They've still got enough heft on that NCAA tournament resume that if they can get going and get some wins, all is definitely not lost, even though it feels like we're in the depths of hell, as you guys talked about. But the turnaround has to come fast. We're running out of margin for error. The wins have to start coming. And really, they need to start on Friday. So that'll do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening to the show. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night and Friday after IU Michigan. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and make shots and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.